I am Andrea Butcher, and this is Being at Work. Being a leader is hard. So on this show, I set out to talk with experienced leaders to learn from their pivotal moments, how they led through the challenges we can all relate to but are often unheard. Today's Being at Work story comes from Doug Stitzer, Global Director of Insurance at Salesforce. Doug specializes in using data, process, and technology to help financial services companies create world-class customer-centric experiences. His journey began with investment portfolio management and quickly moved to operations and IT, as he'll talk about. He brings a unique combination of vision and pragmatism to his work. He's also a Yankees fan, an avid poker player, and the curator of a rock and roll memorabilia collection that fosters a unique bonding experience with his two beautiful children. The pivotal moment that Doug will talk about today comes from a recent part of his story. He took on a choose your own adventure approach and charted his own course based on his strengths. Check it out. I had spent um, approximately 17 years in the insurance space and I was blessed to be in a position where I could in a way, choose my own adventure. Over that course of 17 years, I had about 13 different hats that I wore and functions that I led. And a couple years ago, I was in a position where I was able to promote the idea of some transformational change within my business. Um, It was approved by our board. We moved forward with me leading it. And like any project where you're able to be there at the very beginning. It's your idea. You can build up a a global team. I was all in. I was really excited about it. And a couple years in, our chief operational officer approached me and said, hey, I'm, I'm thinking about making a career change for myself. Let's talk about what that means for you. And it was interesting. I'd been so heads down working on this program, um, leading some fantastic people with some some great change that was going to have tremendous business impact that I hadn't really focused on me. And it was an interesting emotional moment when I went home that day and sat down and talked with my wife and realized I was not excited for the first time in my career about the next step being presented to me. And so it really started this period of soul searching to decide, you know, hey, I'm, I'm on the wrong side of 40 and I've got to figure out what I want to do when I grow up. And so I, I, I really, as I took that step back, realized I'd done a good job of investing in my people and, and pushing them forward on their career path. But I neglected myself. And so what that did was it really forced me to take stock of what was important, um, what motivated me to get up every day. Um, What was the type of culture where I thought I would thrive? What types of people did I want to be surrounded with? And ultimately led to this complete right-hand turn of of saying, hey, I'm going to leave the traditional carrier side and move in more of an operations and technology role with Salesforce. Oh, wow. So give us a little more context about where you were in your career when the COO came to you. So I suspect you were in a more senior role, correct? Like, tell us a bit about that. And where was your mindset? Where was your head at that point? So where I was at at the time, it it was a senior role. It was leading the program. So uh, at its peak, responsible for 250 people globally working on um, about nine different work streams of change. 
most businesses do not advocate for a big bang transformational change, but that's what we were setting out to do. So we had a ton of balls in the air and it was seeing those through across 17 lines of business on a, for a global carrier. So for me, the next step was, was really going to be ideally a C-level position. And I think that the moment for me that was, was kind of jarring was recognizing that this period of build and transformation was going to be over. And now I was transitioning at a, at a place where I still really enjoyed growth. I still enjoyed building something. I still enjoyed positive change. And now I was going to be asked to really shift that mindset um, over into more of a run and maintain mode. And I just knew almost immediately that that was something I was not wired to do. Mm -hmm. So how did you respond to him in the moment? What was interesting in the mo it actually took time for that conversation to play out. And it resulted initially with me coming back and saying, Hey, I've got a different idea about how my gifts can be used what if the organization um, went down this path. And so I actually proposed my own role and proposed a team reporting up to it of that was still on that build mode, but was kind of the phase two. And it was building centers of excellence around some of these new um, technologies and solutions that were part of the backbone of the transformational program. And it really resulted in about a year of going back and forth between me and the leadership team with different proposals of them not liking mine mine not liking theirs and just ultimately realizing at the end of the day that I didn't have a path forward. And that's what I had to publicly do was, at least with them, raise my hand and say, I don't think I have a home here. I'm willing to work on this until each of us feels that we need to part ways. And in the meantime, and this was the tough part, I had to still walk in every day and motivate my team, make sure that we were delivering an unbelievable product for our business and not give them visibility into my own personal journey. So what was the, uh, what was the timing how long was all of that? All of that, actually, um, I would say from the time that the initial conversation started to me finding a new home was about 18 months. Okay. So this is, this is so good because so often in the, you know, in the spirit of career pathing, organizations are looking for opportunities for talent. So a senior leader comes to you and says, hey, Doug, here's the path. You aspired to be at the sea level. So I suspect there was something in you that like, gosh, should I do this? But yet you pretty quickly realized I'm not excited about this. And you said you recognized you hadn't really taken time for your, to figure out for yourself what you wanted to do. So tell us about that process. What was that like? Yeah, I, I think for me, the, the thing, and it took a little bit of time, it wasn't immediate to identify, was that... Um, I hadn't established a personal brand or a personal identity, you know, being stretched across all these different work streams. I think I, I knew intuitively what it was that drove me to get up every day and the, the amount of hecticness and change that was part of a big transformational program like that kept me going day to day, but it wasn't sustaining and it wasn't satisfying. And so for me, I had to take a step back and, and just ask myself, what was my personal and what is my personal identity? The thing that made it really easy for me that I know is a struggle for a lot of people um, because of the number of hats that I got to wear over my career and the constant change that came with being successful is that I didn't have my identity tied to my role. And, uh, you know, being at a place for almost two decades and realizing that it's not a good fit anymore can be traumatic for some people. For me, it was 
it was actually uplifting. It was energizing to know that I could start something different, even though I didn't know exactly what that was. But finding myself through that process and what it was that was important to me, what did a, a new and improved work like work-life balance, for example, look like for me and my family? Um, what would travel look, look like? What would um, freedom and, and entrepreneurial spirit look like? Those are the things that I had to just take a step back and say, what's really important to me? What do I want to do tomorrow? And, and what does the next decade look like without being ultra specific? So it was energizing for you to go through that. It was. And, you know, there was a, a little bit of a gap um, between um, leaving my employer and the technical start of, of my new gig with Salesforce. And we used it as a time to celebrate. On my last day, um, I, I came home and my wife had baked a cake for me and we had a little party with a family. And, and almost immediately, um, people that I encountered, whether they were um, you know, former coworkers or friends um, just noticed a lighter Doug, someone who was more energized than before and waking up and facing each day, even though the path forward was a, a little bit unclear. Well, tell us more about the process to really determine your personal brand and what, what is important to you. How did that play out and what did you come to through that process? For me, I think it was that combination of what were my personal motivators and then reassessing my gifts. One of the things that I did have a chance to do um, that was really powerful for me during this process was to hire a personal coach. And so having someone who uh, did not have a personal relationship with me just helped me walk through and take stock of my gifts, of the strength of my relationships, of identifying some weak spots, and just speaking truth into that process and saying, here is here are some, some things you need to be thinking about, and here are, given your, your personality traits and your motivators, um, some environments and some types of people that are going to allow you to thrive. Uh, so for me, it was saying, all right, look, I don't know how this journey is going to end, but I need to find a culture and a group of people where those gifts are not just recognized, but rewarded um, and encouraged day in and day out. And so for me, then the challenge became looking across um, a group of suitors and saying, you know, it, it's great to have choices, but it can be overwhelming as well. And, and just talking with people that had spent a number of years in each one of those environments and saying, all right, how do we peel back the sales pitch aspect of this and just get to what a real day looks like day in and day out and, and, and the type of inclusive culture that I was looking for. And uh, Salesforce quickly rose to the top. What was it about Salesforce that really appealed to you? I think one of the biggest things there, and I'd seen it play out a little bit before we, we decided to make my position there official was uh, they check egos at the door. You know, some organizations will, will tell you as they're giving you their sales pitch that they are a, a political meritocracy, but it doesn't really play out that way in reality. And for me, and it's one of the things I always tried to encourage with my team was that a good idea was a good idea regardless of its source. And we should be, once we recognize those good ideas, it should be about building bridges with the right people to get it over the goal line. Um, I'm mixing metaphors there, but that was something that was really important to me. A good idea is a good idea. And do we have people that 
check their egos at the door, that don't stiff arm others based on the functional role that they belong to and are just about making sure the customer is taken care of. The business is growing and people are doing it in an environment where everybody can can celebrate together in the rewards and, and in, in the achievements. And that's something that um, in my short amount of time with Salesforce is definitely plays out again and again and again in a way that I haven't seen uh, in any other organization. Well, and you connected with Salesforce on the heels of all this work you were doing on yourself. So, and, and you talked about, you, you, you know, you looked for organizations that were intentionally aligned with those things, right? So I suspect that those are values that you also find really important. That's right. That's right. I think it was just, and again, not something that had necessarily been taught, but I've had the benefit of having a, a very diverse uh, team. I've had a lot of opportunities to choose my teams. And, and when I say diversity, I, I want people to know I really mean diversity of thought. One of the things that I have always loved, and it sounds silly to some people, um, I love walking into a room and being the dumbest guy there. I say that because it's the best way that I'm going to learn. And um, if I've amassed a great, great team, the, the model it shouldn't be that I'm going in and telling them what to do. It should be more of I'm a shepherd that's helping us get towards a, a vision that's being painted. And they're really going to, in a lot of ways, tell me how we're going to get there. Uh, that's something that um, is, has been really important to me, again, as I've built teams. And it was going to be really important for any team that I was about to join. Well, so I would suspect, so those are all things that are a part of your personal brand, right? Now that you've done that work. Yeah. How do you, so when, when, when asked what's your personal brand, what motivates you? What are your greatest gifts? Like, what are the things that you say? Okay. One of the things that I had to challenge myself with as I was establishing that personal brand, that personal identity and recognizing that my job wasn't my identity was if somebody came up and, and, and was introducing themselves to me, I'm meeting them for the first time and they ask, you know, the age old question that everybody does when you're not a senior citizen, which is, what do you do? Everybody talks about what do you do? And what would be my answer to that if I didn't include my job? Um, what can I say about myself that would let them still get an idea of me and the things that I'm passionate about without necessarily naming a role or an employer? And, and, and that is the go-to that everybody tends to use as their answer. And if you're somebody who is thinking about making a change where you're not happy with where you're currently at, I would start with that self-assessment of what is your answer to yourself or to a stranger if you're meeting them for the first time about who you are if you weren't allowed to say what your job or your employer is. I, I, I want to know that there's a purpose to what it is that I'm doing each day. You know, I started my career out many, many years ago in finance, and it actually took me a few years to realize that it, it was something that I wasn't born to do the idea of going in each day and and doing the same thing and, and being in the financial world. Nothing against financial people. I wear a finance hat with everything that I do today still. But going through the same month end close and quarter close and annual statement process was so routine. It just bored me to tears. So being able to work on different things, again, constantly be building something cool that's adding value um, was always important to me. And I always believed that if I was making the right relationships, if I was building the right things with the right business impact, then all of the financial rewards were going to come along with it. And for the most part, they have. Um, but th I guess those would be my two, my, my two biggest motivators. 
I love the uncommon ability to paint a picture and live in the minutiae. Yeah, because those things, those things go together. So I want to go back to there's okay, so we've talked quite a bit about you doing the work on what's important to you, what motivates you. That gave you a lot of confidence to go to the organization and say, I don't have a path forward here because you couldn't find those things in the organization, right? And you tried to work that out. There, um, gosh, there that just takes a lot of courage, the transparency in that. And you had been in the organization for a long time, right? Hadn't didn't you tell me 17 years you'd been in the organization? Correct. So I suspect you had a lot of trust, but break down like the going to them with there's not a path forward here. What was that like, Doug? How did you do that? Give us some input on that. I, I was definitely at a point and given my tenure with the organization that we could have some very open conversations. And that was something that I really appreciated. It, it wasn't a frustrating process for me. It was actually kind of relieving, you know, obviously it was a great organization. I wouldn't have stayed there for 17 years if it hadn't been, but there comes a time when you outgrow your home and it's not that it hasn't been a great home for you. It's just you're, you're at a new period in your journey and your surroundings don't match up with it. So for me, it was, there wasn't any fear. There wasn't any animosity. It was just a, a very matter of fact hey, this has been a great discussion. You know, they, they could have told me to go pound sand and they didn't. They continued the dialogue for a while. I just wanted to be the first one to raise my hand and say, you know, I, I'm out of ideas. And I give them all the credit for coming back and saying, hey, here's some other ways we think we could use your gifts. And I just had to take a look at each one and say, you know, I think I could, I know I could do them. I know I'd be great at them but I wouldn't be happy with them. Um, it wouldn't give me fulfillment. And my concern is, is that, you know, six months in, I would probably be bored to tears and asking for the next challenge. And I was tired of that merry-go-round and they appreciated that. And I think given my need for speed and my penchant for progressive change, that I think it ended up being mutually um, beneficial in the end to part ways. Absolutely. I just, I'm thinking about just all of the individuals who are in a role that isn't fulfilling to them. Their gifts and strengths aren't being utilized every day, but they just continue to do it. And I, you know, I really appreciate there comes a time when you outgrow your home. You know, what, what advice would you give to others for having the courage to raise their hand and say, Hey, this isn't, this is no longer serving me well. Yeah, it's a great question. I, you know, it, when I'm coaching others, um, I often remind them that unless they're stuck in a family business, they did not walk down the aisle with their employer. And it, it's been interesting is, you know, I talked to other people just to get counsel as I was going through my own journey. It was amazing once I started kicking over, you know, rocks in their story, so to speak, to learn that most people aren't doing what they thought they'd be doing early on in their careers. At least the successful ones aren't. Um, there's lots of people and, you know, every organization needs different types of personalities. Some people love going in every day, doing the same thing, knowing exactly what is expected of them and clocking out at the end of the day and going home and, and having a great time with their families. Um, every organization needs those types of roles. For others, though, and, and for me, there's I, I see the tension all the time between people um, who have a career, who have a job, but their gifts aren't being utilized. And, and that breeds um, dissatisfaction. It breeds negativity. It breeds inefficiency. A lot of people, though, um, don't know how to change that. 
And so the thing that I encourage them to do is to constantly go out and get an idea of what else is out there and what their value is. One of the things that I did, and I didn't advertise it a lot, is over those 17 years, I never stopped interviewing at other places. And, and one of the mantras that I lived by was to say yes until you have to say no. And it did a couple things for me. It kept me sharp when it came to interviews. My resume was always up to date. And it just so happened that no one over those 17 years was able to put something in front of me that I said, yeah, this is worth stepping out and doing something new. So a little abnormal in that sense, but you know, some of that's research about what within your metropolitan area there's a demand for and, and what that value is. And just trying to, you know, decide, you know, at some point for me, again, I think I said at the beginning, I was on the wrong side of 40. I don't have that many more working years left. And for me, it became the realization that I wanted to get up every day and not be one of those people that walked in saying, oh my gosh, I've got to go to work today. Um, I can't wait for Friday. I can't wait for this day to be over. I want to enjoy it. I, I want to be energized by the people that I'm seeing every day. I want to love what it is that I'm doing. And it doesn't mean that it needs to be a hobby. I have plenty of those on the side. And you introduced me well at the beginning of what some of those are. Um, I am not a professional poker player. And as old as I am, the New York Yankees are not going to call me up and ask me to play first base this year as much as I would love that. So I keep all of those things that make me me that really are the other part of my identity and who I am. But so are my gifts. And if I'm not using them, then then that's a shame and that's on me. And that's something that each person has to take ownership of, realizing that they are their number one advocate and they are the CEO of their career path. Oh, gosh, that's that's such good, such good advice. You know, the, the world of work has changed so, so much over the last many years and continues to evolve. And, you know, it's um, it's interesting, someone that was with an organization for 17 years that also you said, you know, when you were talking about that transformational change project that you were leading, you said, I was all in. And at the same time, you kept your eye open to opportunities so that, that those things can coexist. I, I appreciate that. And I think it's important to talk about and celebrate that because, you know, the old, like, I am loyal to this business throughout my career and life. Like, that's just not how work works anymore. It, it is. And then I can remember at a point um, in my career, I'm, I'm certainly old enough to remember it, where having too many employers on your resume was frowned upon. And now it, it seems like that paradigm is completely shifted and you don't hear this negative connotation of job hopping so much anymore. In fact, it's almost celebrated because at each place that you're at, you're learning a little different way of doing things. You're getting a view into a different culture. And if you've got the right logos on your resume, that becomes even more valuable as people want to tap into what best practices exist um, with other companies and in other industries. Agree completely. What what about one thing that this idea bumps up against for me is this idea that there is always something to learn. The, you know, bloom where you're planted and continue to get out of the experience what you can. <laughs> now you stayed for 17 years. So you got a lot out of that organization, no doubt. But at what point do you balance the looking and the jumping to new opportunities with also like going going deep and getting what you can out of an experience? Yeah, I, I love that question. And, you know, I mentioned at the beginning that I had 
you know, approximately 13 different roles over those 17 years. They weren't all vertical. Some of them were horizontal. They didn't all come with pay raises. Um, they weren't all company initiated. Sometimes it was me going and saying, hey, I think we have a need here. You know, what if we tried this role with this team? You know, and over time, your batting average increases with those types of proposals and those types of ideas. So for me, it was absolutely about horizontal moves. You know, one of the things that I encounter when I'm coaching folks is uh, this idea that a, a significant monetary reward needs to exist with every move, whether that's within a company or between companies. And my message back has always been, what's going to give you the most value? If you are able to go over to a team and learn a, a new uh, skill set that is going to significantly add value to you in the long run, then it's worth making that move. But you should have an, an expiration date on what that looks like. For me, um, it was every 18 to 24 months, I needed to be in a different spot. And if I wasn't, then I probably wasn't maximizing my learning. And I was probably introducing some complacency and stagnation into my own career path. And were you upfront with people that were hiring you along the way? Oh, very much so. And, and I, I wouldn't say that I went through a normal path. There's not a lot of people within the organization that can say they took the, the path or the trajectory that I did. But one of the things that um, I enjoyed doing was as I inherited new teams was applying that same assumption to each of their career paths. And let me unpack that. I would assume that every person that I was leading wanted to be in a different spot. And that, it doesn't mean necessarily mean their title changed. It doesn't necessarily mean they were on a different team, but didn't want to be doing the same thing that they were doing when I started leading them 18 to 24 months from that time period. And I let them push back on me to tell me, what they wanted in terms of speed and direction. Um, and I certainly did have people that raised their hand and said, hey, you know what? At my age and my point in my career, I don't want to learn new. I don't want to do new. I just want to come in every day and be a rock star at this piece that you've given me. And I needed people like that. And I, and I loved having those frank conversations with them. What that allowed me to do as a leader is then invest properly in the people that did want that move, that did want that investment, and that were eager, eager to learn something new. Well, Doug, there's all kinds of insights from this. I mean, my key takeaways are just first, you got to know your strengths. You got to know your motivators, what gets you fired up. Then you're in a position to bring that to whatever role an organization you're a part of. And when there's not alignment, like just your encouragement to raise your hand and say, hey, let's try to figure out a path. You just a lot over and over, there's this theme of you shaping the role or working with other leaders to try to shape the role that best, it gives you a chance to best serve the business. Like that's, that's what it is, right? That's my big takeaway. Like your gifts are service opportunities. It does, are you in an environment and in a role that allows you to play that out every day? So thank you so much for bringing, bringing the insight to being at work. Thank you for having me today. If our listeners want to connect with you, Doug, what's the best way to do that? Uh, the best way is via email, which is dstitzer at salesforce.com. Thank you for joining us for this episode. Please subscribe wherever you listen to your podcast to never miss a being at work story.